This is the Punk Show Podcast. This is Henry. Henry, it's Jason Lamb calling from The Zone in Victoria, B.C. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How you doing? Oh, good, thanks. Thank you for taking the time. Oh, no problem. Uh, so, yeah, um, I want to talk to you about uh, you coming up here on Friday and launching your Canadian leg of your tour. Yeah, um, this is pre-recorded, by the way, so we, we there's no censorship either. So feel free to say and do whatever. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. So you're yeah you're uh, launching the the Canadian leg in, in Victoria here on Friday at the Alex Goulden Hall. Um, you've been here quite a few times over the years. Do you get a chance to explore our little fair city at all? Not much. I mean, on tour, unfortunately. Quite often, the average day is you get to town at some point. I usually report right to the gym right and uh get the workout in that's a big part of the day very important and then back to the bus some food maybe a nap and then sound check and then it's all about focusing in on the show so quite often no I, i'm very preoccupied with the gig i mean it, it means a lot to me man i'll take myself seriously but i take the gig really seriously so, quite often that gets the best of my attention. Uh, usually a record store will lure me away from my daily routine of all of this, but um, quite often I, I travel a lot and don't always see a lot. Well, if you do get a chance, go to Ditch Records on Fort Street. It's the, probably the, the coolest What's record store. Ditch Records. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Um, yeah, I, I never got to see Black Flag. I was just a little bit too young the last time you guys were in town. and uh-huh. I, But I have a lot of friends that have fond memories of seeing you at the uh, Old Age Pensioners Hall here in Victoria back in like 84, 85, something like that. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, one time we played there in 1984, I think No Means No opened. Yeah. Victoria, right? The island? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and they were so good. I mean, they were fantastic. They still really are. Really great band. And, you know, I knew who they were, but I'd never seen them live, and it was easily one of the best shows that we saw that whole year. I mean, we all of us were watching just completely blown away by them. Oh, that's really cool. They're still one of my favorite bands, and they're... they're uh... They're still pumping out albums, and they're you know they're pushing sixty years old, and they're uh, they haven't uh, slowed down at all. It's great. Yeah, that's that's cool. They uh, they they don't seem to like me. Oh. Uh, I don't know what I've done to them, but they they uh, apparently don't like me very much. Oh, I never heard that before. I'm I'm not losing any sleep over. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so why is this tour? Why the long march? Why 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 that title? Because it's long. <laughs> the only thing I could call it. I mean it's. It's, uh, it goes until next year. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, I, it, to me it's kind of funny. It's a long march to the sea. You, know, you have to call these things something. <laughs> and so that's what it ends up being. Fair enough. Um, I don't know how much you pay attention to the like, politics that go on up here or not. I don't, have you seen those uh, student protests that are happening? Uh, and, and I'm not saying that they're not you know, pithy and worthwhile. This is the politics down here, if you will, have have taken a lot of my time. <laughs> Fair enough. Things being so dire. Yeah, I can understand. Um, well, you're you're a, a big traveler, um, 
both for work and also just for your own experiences and stuff. Uh, I want first of all, let's talk about the National Geographic special that I think just uh, broadcast last night. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. hold on a minute before we do that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let, you asked this question about uh, Canadian politics. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you, would, you well, wanted to skirt that. I might that. be aware of, yeah, yeah. of of some things. I mean, I'm just not as dialed in as I am in as far as American politics. Understandably. Um, right, so, but it, was there a question in there? Well, just I was just going to get your sort of take on a couple of things. There's uh, sure. been, been some massive uh, protests in Montreal the last, well, over a month now. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people taking the street. It all started with a tuition hike, but it's kind of gone beyond that, and they're trying to uh, unseat the premier of Quebec and all this kind of stuff. But just I wasn't sure if you, I don't really know enough about it to really you know, give you the, the heads up on the whole thing. I just thought if you'd been seeing it on the TV, maybe you'd, you'd Well, yeah, yeah. A- and I think it's interesting. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with a Canadian journalist earlier today, and his take on it was that it's just a bunch of college kids whining, which I thought was a little simplistic. Yeah. I was like, gee, really? That's all you get out of that? That's that's too bad. And I said, I think there's there's something to be... Um, learn from this. And he said, what? I said, well, I think it's a good thing that you have college students so incensed by tuition hikes that they're taking to the street. And in my hippy-dippy doo world, um, college tuition, they should just be basically handing out college educations in any country that hopes to have a, a sustained and peaceful uh, culture and, and a, a society that can keep going right you know smart people make good decisions dumb people rob banks they rape they beat the crap out of their their spouses they hate their kids because their kids are gay um they you know they poison themselves and that's what you're going to get with with an uneducated population and so i said to this guy i said you want to see the future of canada if you if you think this is just a bunch of whining look to the south and look at America and see what happens when a country goes without a, 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 you know, education as a virtue. And, and see, see, if, see if you like that. Because that's what America's got right now. And I, I don't like it. And, and it, it, it makes it possible for things like the next fake war. Because you have enough people who don't know anything about anything. And they go, hell yeah, let's go get those Arabs. Well, they're, they're Iraqis. Well, you know. Okay, and that and that's about all as far as they think about it, and and so you need an educated populace. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, "American democracy won't work without one," and and so I think Canadians can learn a lot from looking at America and the mistakes, and the mistakes at least since Reagan to now has been a conscious effort to dumb down the population, mm-hmm. so they eat worse food make dumbass decisions, and basically destroy themselves. And, you know, if that's what these people want, well, yeah, I, I can't say I want to help. I'd like to uh, get in the way of that. <laughs> Very nice. So, and, you know, and it has actually gone beyond the student thing, because last night, because uh, they've passed a, a law now where you can't wear a mask in Montreal in public. Yeah, I read it. And, uh, and so I guess last night apparently there was like five or 600 lawyers in their full like lawyer garb marching down the street protesting that so it's kind of branching out onto different issues 
this is getting interesting. Because <laughs> if it's no mask, then does that mean there's no veil? Yes, exactly, hey? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And does that mean no burqa? And does that lead to no mosques? I mean, in Switzerland, they, you know, beautiful country. I've been to many of the cities there. They want to pass a no, uh, what do you call the top of a mosque, a spire or whatever. They, they don't want those uh, like with the crescent. Right, right. They don't want the mosque having the crescent. They don't want to kind of de-Swiss the skyline. That's a really interesting conversation in that Swiss culture isn't Muslim. It's very Swiss. And I can understand a Swiss person looking out on Geneva and not wanting to see a bunch of mosques. Mm-hmm. I got it. But on the other hand, you know, there's, there, I could take either side of that debate. I would err towards the side of let them have the crescents. Because I like mosques. I think they look beautiful. But I can see some old person going, no, I, I, I don't want to lose my skyline to some religion from halfway around the world. This is Switzerland, not, not Saudi Arabia. I, I understand that. So the world is changing, and it sounds like change and a little bit of, uh, you know, hard, hard-thrown elbows have come to visit beautiful Canada as well. Mm-hmm. And, and why wouldn't it, in that what democracy escapes, you know, some kind of, you know, tribulation or turbulence from time to time. Well, for the first time in a long time, we have a, quite a conservative prime minister. He's conservative party, and he's very uh, yeah, I, I, pretty I, right uh, wing. I heap great praise on Canada when I'm there, and very friendly Canadians will say to me after the show, "You know, you you're very nice to us. You know, you're very generous <laughs> with your praise, but you should understand that it's not." always a rosy picture here which which i'm aware of mm-hmm. and that we do have a lot of you know conservative right-leaning you know forces at work and i also understand that too um and so i think any country has its uh you know its ailments it has its racists its homophobes its conservatives <laughs> you notice i'm just ever so slightly <laughs> lumping them all together, because I do it very, very crassly when I talk about Americans, because it's fun. Um, but I, I, that's, that's what I know about Canada, you know, in that, by and large, I like Canadian people, in that they, I have a tremendous audience there, and I, I do sincerely enjoy visiting them. But I also know that no country, you know, gets out of, you know, challenges they face. Right. Hopefully, uh, you wild and sexy Canadians come to better conclusions uh, than worse ones. Well put. Well, let's talk now about the National Geographic special, if you don't mind, because I'm, sure. I'm very curious about this. Um, this debuted on the Wild Channel last night. I didn't get to see it because I work in radio, so I can't afford these special cable channels. But uh, was there like three episodes in a row that, that, that were aired last night? Is that the Apparently three? Apparently so. Yeah? I don't have a television, and so okay. I had to watch the first episode which National Geographic insisted I tweet about. Okay. I watched it uh, with the commercial black screen times already put in. So I basically watched it in real time at 5 and 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and tweeted about it. And how did that go? 
uh, I, I had never seen this thing before. It looked pretty good. Uh, it's, it's amazing how long some of these segments take to shoot and how quickly they're over. Right. I mean, it's, you, you, we spent days shooting some of this stuff, and the damn thing is done in like seven minutes. <laughs> Did you just do the three episodes? Yeah. Right, okay. It, it, it took a good part of last summer. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of damn work. Well, tell so, me where where did they where did they send you? Like, where did where did you go to to, to shoot this stuff? We were in uh, in India, Vietnam, and all over America. Wow! And you were eating roadkill at one point. Is that did I read that right? I'm sorry. <laughs> did, I, did I did you eat some roadkill or something at one point, or you went somewhere? I where ate people... roadkill squirrel. I ate freshly caught rats. I ate snake. I drank cow urine. I wrestled alligators. I played with cobras. I uh, I did all kinds of. Uh, it was a very eclectic summer for me. I guess so. Wow. Uh, I'll, I'll, which, which was the tastiest out of all of those? The what? Which one was the tastiest out of all of those? Uh, the rat was actually pretty good. Oh really? Um, it tasted a lot like the squirrel. Uh, I guess the rodent family kind of has a similarity in taste, but I, you know. It, being a Western guy, getting your head around eating rat was, it's a little much. But mm -hmm. when you really get down to the eating of it, it's just meat. And, and actually, it's grain-fed, hormone-free, free-range rat you're eating. And probably not the worst thing, you know, probably not the worst example of meat I've ever eaten. And it, the taste was not displeasing at all. Okay. I think I'll hold off for now on trying it. Yeah, it might not be for you. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how the second uh, time around would go for me. Right, exactly. Like if I had to return to that banquet, I might walk and not run up to that. Yeah, you might skip to the potato salad on the other side of it or something. I, I, yeah. might, I might just skip the whole thing and stay in my room. <laughs> um, Henry, I've been a stand-up comic for 12 years in Western Canada uh, doing comedy clubs and all that stuff. And I know you don't bill yourself... <clears throat> As a stand-up comic per se, you're a spoken word artist, and and uh, you know you do well, kind that's of. What they call me? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've never used that to describe myself, but I, I've never called myself a comic. In that, then you got to make people laugh all of a sudden, and that's a that's a hell of a burden. Fair enough, but what I was going to say is, you do make people laugh. I mean, not it's not a comedy routine, but you do make well, people laugh, and it seems like sometimes, you. Yeah, I mean, sometimes the information itself is funny. And it leads you to a comedic conclusion. But I don't sit there and write things down and go, okay, this is funny. Uh, I was actually curious about that, too, just the, the process. I mean, is it, is it, is it quite a scripted um, performance from beginning to end, or is it just kind of a bunch of notes that you no, have one I, word that sets I, you I off? I do a lot. I, the, the stuff I talk about, I don't need to write down. and I just write down the concept but as far as how I tell it, that's not some, something that I've transcripted somewhere. Right. Um, I just put it all in my head and, and let it come out. But I don't walk out on stage with nothing. I walk out on stage extremely prepared. Like, I know exactly where I'm going. Like, uh, I know what story is going to link to the next one. I know what angle I'm taking on it. And that's basically a lot of pacing in hallways, a lot of eyes closed on a treadmill walking through the material in the gym before the show mm, okay so a lot of preparation goes in i'm not into spontaneity on stage because it can go south on you that's that's very true it's not a kind of risk i'm interested in 
Uh, I have to ask this. Um, I was thinking about this because I was uh, enjoying. I, I have the uh, Rise Above uh, compilation that came out about ten years ago, the West uh -huh. Memphis Three. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a great album. Just all the different guest vocalists and all that stuff. And I think, uh, yeah, beginning to end, it's really good. Um, this is kind of a sneaky way to ask you this, but uh, is there like a is there a cause today that would get convince you to get back in the studio and sing? If I was invited uh, <laughs> into something uh, that I, I would contribute a vocal if someone really needed me and it's something I thought I could do and not wreck the project, I don't have a great deal of confidence in my vocals and I don't think I'm any gift to anybody to anything. Um, well, what but as far as like making a record, going on the road and doing, you know, two basically two summers of my life like I did for the West Memphis Three. I'm sure there are projects and causes worthy of that. I, I don't know of them. And quite honestly, I, I don't think I would want to go out and do a summer of rock music. Fair enough. But you and haven't... I've been there and I've done that pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Um, but you haven't necessarily shut the door completely on at least recording something maybe in the future. No. Oh. I, I have got... Well, I, I just did a thing with a Flaming Lips that just came out. I just did a thing with Chuck from Public Enemy. That'll be coming out, I guess, some at some point this year. I mean, it's it's a Public Enemy single. It's Chuck's now, so I guess he'll just do whatever with it what he wants. Um, I've gotten some interesting offers here and there. Uh, one that is fairly irresistible, but but I you know I'm very busy right now. I can't act on it, so I don't want to call these people back because once I do, I know that you know this thing will kind of take off and get a little out of my control. Okay. That's all you're going to give me. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's all I really can. Yeah. But um, it is, uh, it's, a, it's, it's an offer that I, I, uh, it's going to be very hard to walk away from. Okay. Oh, I'm curious now. Um, speak, you're talking about being busy. I know that this has been asked of you many times in the past, and I don't mean to belabor it, but it really is pretty mind-blowing when you look at all the stuff you do, and you go on your website, you I mean you have detailed daily blogs. You've got a radio show. You just had your uh, your photo book come out, Occupants. You're doing all the traveling, the TV shows, not to mention the touring, and your own travel. I, and it truly, like, how do you do it? Like, is there? Do you sleep? Or <laughs> oh, it, well, it, it's all I do, and so I, I miss out on a lot of other things. So I just get up every day and and work to where you know I, I get very little time off and. When I do, I sit on the couch and listen to music. I really enjoy that, just sitting there not having to, you know, really jump up and do anything. Just the, the leisure to sit and listen to an album and just let it play is a big deal. So I don't get to do that much. I buy far more records than I get a chance to listen to mm -hmm. in this mad idea that one day I'll catch up. In that when one buys a record or a book, I think some people buy them thinking, they bought the time that yeah, they right. required to, to read or to listen, not necessarily the music itself. So it's an imagined. Like when you buy a box set, you think, oh, well, there's a, a great week of listening, but you, you don't really have that time. So a lot of it goes on listen to. But anyway, mm -hmm. I, I, I make a noble attempt yeah. to catch up with all the records I got. Uh, yeah, I, I buy far more than I have a chance to listen to. Um, but you never know. One day I'll reach the promised land. <laughs> um, I just basically work every day. Yeah. And 
I just kind of, I'm like an ant. I just kind of, you know, steadily carry, you know, the grains of sand up the hill. And I don't work in a frenzied way. It's very steady. Because frenzy does just burn you out. But it, it is kind of an obsessive thing. I live alone. I live for the work. I don't hang around. Like, I don't go out to the clubs. I don't, you know, it's just not how I'm wired. But I get a lot of work done. And uh, I deliver on time. Uh, I think I'm supposed to wrap it up here pretty soon, Henry. But uh, I wanted to ask you um, about the Beastie Boys, if you don't mind, just because I uh, sure whatever you want. I, I can go a few minutes longer if you if, you, if you're okay with that, then that would be great. Yeah, um, sure, no, no problem. Uh, a lot of people may not know that. Uh, I mean, the Beastie Boys have said that they they basically started their band after seeing a Black Flag show in New York City. Um, Adam Yelk in particular. Um, just I wanted to get your thoughts on the band and uh, and his passing. I'm not sure how close you were with any of them, if you ever worked with them or not. But Well, I toured with them. And I, I did a lot of shows with the Beastie Boys years ago. Yeah, when they were still out. And uh, the friendliest of all of them was Yauk. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good guys. Great band. And a very, you know, influential band. I have all the records. Um, I, I enjoy them, especially Paul's Boutique. I just think that's just a... You know, a, a really magic record. Um, I always was impressed by those guys from the Polly Walks Do EP to uh, uh, Cookie Puss and, and then, you know, License to Ill and onwards. And watching them play live, I saw them probably around 40 or 50 times. And I never saw a Beastie Boys show that I didn't like. I mean, they really, you know, gave it up for the audience. And. Yauk's passing, I, I read about it, I was in Australia, I think I was in Australia, um, I was at the airport and they had free internet access, so I turned on the internet and on the front page of Huffington Post there's the headline, and uh, I must say, it, it moved me, I mean, I, I was like, ah, oh, you know, it really hit me, and I, I knew that Adam's cancer was not new, in that it was not a, a brief battle with cancer, it was a prolonged battle. I mean, it was years. Yeah. And I felt really bad about that, that it had to be this standing, living thing that was with him day in, day out, month in, month out. Not only for, you know, hard on him, of course, but his family. He's got a wife, he's got a kid. I mean, it's gotta be, you know, insurmountably tough on a, on a marriage to have your husband in such bad shape, mm-hmm. having your dad in such bad shape. And the fact that, you know, the band delayed the release of their album for like a year for Adam to get better, it just shows you what a brotherhood those three guys are and just how important that friendship was. That it was not a commercial concern, it was, you know, uh, our, our friend is sick, so this record doesn't come out until the three of us can walk out there. Yeah, and so it's a heartbreak that such a he's such a good guy too. I mean, I, I was in Tibet a couple of years ago, and he was on my mind a lot because you know he made me aware of of you know the the problems the Tibetans face with the the Chinese government, and I saw it up close and personal by spending a week in Lhasa, and I thought about Adam every day I was there because he's one of the inspirations that made me want to go mm-hmm. to Tibet and check it out, and so. You know, great, great band and good guys. I mean, they're always cool to me. And um, but Adam was the one that I had the most conversations with. 
and uh, I'm very sad that he's gone. Mm -hmm. It was a very tough several weeks for musicians. Donald Duck Dunn, Adam Yauch, Donna Summer, uh, The Gib. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow. It's just, uh, you know, and I've got records by all these people. It's, uh, oh, Chuck Brown, the great DC funk musician. Right. I've got almost all of those records. Um, just, you know, really uh, kind of crazy how all these obituaries keep popping up. Yeah, it did seem really like there was a whole string of them all in a row there. It was... I mean, for me and a lot of my friends, the Beastie Boys were kind of our, our Beatles in a way. Do you know what I mean? License to Ill was the soundtrack of our high school, and, and then uh, they yeah, never seen. Yeah, no, I understand. Even though, though we, 1986, thereabouts, that came out. Yeah. And it's a record that you heard everywhere. Um, yeah, and and to me that that's okay. I mean, that's a good record, but they really took their music somewhere. Hmm. I mean, Paul's boutique. I thought it was a standout genius record the first time I heard it, and I remember reading reviews, and a lot of re reviewers were that they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, you guys just are not worth the paper you're printed on. I mean, you're not obviously very not astute on music. This is a this is a damn masterpiece. I mean, and I, I think that and the De La Soul album, the first, you know, Three Feet High and Rising, and the second Public Enemy album, took rap music to places that I don't think it ever would have gotten to without, you know, these breakout records. And I think Paul's Boutique, especially, was just one of those records that took not only the genre to a new place, but the Beastie Boys to this transformative... Because they could have just recreated License to Ill again. Mm -hmm. And everyone would have said hooray and bought it. But with that album and then with Check Your Head, they did the brave thing and they innovated and they won and lost fans. I mean, I remember touring with them for Check Your Head, and it was, you know, ironically, in England, they opened for us, and in America, we opened for them. Oh, interesting. It was just so weird. <laughs> but um, to watch these young people in front, the MTV teenagers who want to hear anything from License to Ill and What You Want and whatever the other single off Check Your Head... Mm -hmm and are not interested when the Beastie Boys play uh, an instrumental and show you they can really play. I mean, Mike T is a really good drummer. And they got Money Mark on keyboards. I mean, Eric Bobo on percussion. I mean, they're really trying to do something. And here are these little 15 really like, you know, and cursing at the Beastie Boys, like, you know, you know what, what's this? And I'm like looking at these little kids going like, God, you really don't get it, do you? They, they want their MTV, you know, you know little seven-minute pound of flesh. And so the Beastie Boys took chances, which tells me that they were musicians first and a commercial entity second, third, or fourth, but really all about the music. And very smart guys, you know, like about something. You know, these are three very talented, very funny, very brainy guys who are not at all a drag to hang around with. And so... I, I don't think the Beastie Boys can really exist without Adam. I mean, it's not like you replace the drummer and keep going. I mean, when you have these three people, you know, who are so iconic, I think it's like when Jerry Garcia died, you, you I think it's over. Yeah. And I don't know if these guys go solo, if they do something else, but um, those Beastie Boys songs aren't the same without Yauk's vocal. I mean, when every song they wrote, it was all about the three of them, I think. I think they still have another record uh, to release as well that was done with him. Oh, well, um, 
hopefully they'll choose to release it and grace us with yet another slice. Yeah, for sure. Well, Henry, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, can't wait to see you on Friday. I'm going to probably be fanboy and get you to sign my damaged LP, if that's okay. Oh, it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah, just after the show, I'll be out by the tour bus. I sign anything put in front of me. It's never a problem. Cool. Well, that's great. I, uh, I can't wait to see you on Friday, and, uh, and thanks again. Cool, man. I'll see you soon. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Punk Show Podcast. If you'd like to hear more, including kick-ass punk music, go to thezone.fm slash punk. Oh, yeah. And be sure to check out The Punk Show on Facebook and Instagram.